Good morning, friends, and welcome to this gathering of the South Canyon Baptist Church. My name is Tanner Blosser, and I serve as the pastor of Student and Family Ministries here. And on behalf of our whole church family, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. Just a couple of different things, uh, and there's a lot of couple of different things. So uh, just be prepared. Uh, you're going to make sure, or you're going to want to make sure you have one of these bulletins. If not, if you're an usher at one of the doors, just raise your hand back there. If you look, you'll see all of these ushers in the back there. They've got uh, some bulletins for you, so you're going to want to make sure you have one of those. If you're a guest with us today, we would love to connect with you. All you can do is just fill out this connection card in the seat back in front of you. And if you fill that out and take it out to the Connect desk out there in the foyer, we'll answer any questions that you might have. Maybe we can be praying for you. And if you turn in that card, we'll give you a gift and some more information about our church as well. Today, immediately after the service, we are going to be having a send-off lunch for our head pastor, Brent Reeves. This is Pastor Brent's last Sunday with us, and and what a great way uh, to send him off by letting him preach the word. And as you can see uh, here before me, we are also going to be having communion. So whatever you need to do to examine yourself and to prepare yourself for that time, I would encourage you to do that as well. Next week, we will not be in this building. We will be in downtown Rapid City at 10 a.m. for Main Street Square worship. We will be there with Redeeming Grace. Pastor Josh from Redeeming Grace will be preaching the word that morning, and Joel will be leading worship. I'll be leading the service. So make sure you don't come here next Sunday because nobody will be here. Meet us downtown in Rapid City. If you have any questions whatsoever about worship next week, you can email our office, which is just office at southcanyonbaptist.org. Inside your bulletin, you'll see there's a couple of inserts. One of them is just a a guide as we go through the sermon. The other one is a lot of information about the live classes that we're going to be having in the fall. And along with that, we have some women's ministry coming up. So I'm going to have Kimmy Harris just talk very briefly about that. So as we get into our fall schedule, we have quite a few different things that are going to be planned for women in the church. Um, In your bulletin, you're going to see two of those things, and I just wanted to highlight those for you real quickly. There's a Bible study on Thursday mornings, so if you're interested in that, um, read the information. And I also wanted to highlight something new that we're starting, um, which will be a a once-a-month Bible study. Unlike our other Bible studies, this is one that you don't have to prepare for. You can just show up on Saturday morning, and we're going to study God's Word together. The heart behind this is really to allow women to come together first to study God's word and to learn together, but also to give another opportunity for women here, whether you are new, whether you've been here for many years, to get to know each other better, to meet new people, and to continue to develop relationships. So that will be on the second Saturday of every month, and our first one is actually September the 11th, so we'll be coming up soon, so we hope to see you there. Thank you so much, Kimmy. And as you see on that insert, it's a really fun name. It's Sip and Study. So you'll sip on some coffee and study God's Word. Two really great things. Like I said, we're going to be celebrating and remembering the ordinance of communion this morning. So I would encourage you just to prepare yourself as best as you can for that. Uh, Along with that, if you're not comfortable with the elements being passed to you, we do have some prior prepackaged elements that you can find out in our foyer And if you just ask an usher, they will be able to direct you toward that. With that said, I'm going to ask the chairman of the elder board, 
Royce Shields to come up, and he is going to talk about where we are at in the search process. Yes, uh, from the Elder Board, uh, we one of our desire is to keep the communication line open to the church body and to keep everybody up to date on what's happening during this transition from Pastor Brent to a new senior pastor. And so where we're at is the search team. We have created a search team. Uh, we, they have uh, all said yes, and there's going to be nine on the search team. And what I would like to do now is so that you can see who the search team members are and uh, you can be praying for us. I'm going to call each one up uh, by name up here, and then I'm going to ask Leonard Guile to pray over us uh, once we all get up here. So in alphabetical order, uh, Laura Blumenthal, Eric Hendrickson, Mark Howard, Jeremy Kaler, Dakota Rice, John Samuels, myself, Carol Willits, and Misty Washan. This is a really weighty uh, task that is before us because the, the pastor we uh, come up with that we all do will shape this church for the next 5, 10, well, 12 years now. So uh, it's a big weighty decision, and we've been praying, and we would want you guys to be praying for us as we uh, go through the whole process. So right now, Leonard. Lord, your goodness is from everlasting to everlasting. Your faithfulness to all generations. What a mighty God we have to serve and to love and to cherish. And so, Lord, I thank you right now for the past 12-plus years for Pastor Brent and Melody being here and sharing with us and loving us and giving their lives towards this uh, your, for your kingdom and your glory and teaching us the gospel through the power of the Spirit and the Word. We thank you for them. And so, Lord, uh, we ask your blessing on them as they go now to Clearwater, Florida. Lord, and in the meantime, <clears throat> we need another senior pastor, so we, this search committee, I lift it up to you. I thank you for each one that came here, that accepted, that agreed to do this. This isn't just filling another position. This is seek, seeking the man that you have for us to lead us in the future as a senior pastor. So, Lord, I ask your blessing and guidance on them Lord, I ask you to give them wisdom and guidance in everything that they do. I thank you for Royce and the leadership that he's provided for the elder board and probably this uh, search committee. And, Lord, I ask you to give them uh, diligence. Um, it's easy to take tasks and um, not do ref check the references like they should, but I pray that they would be diligent in their work towards you and towards a senior pastor. Lord, I pray for... Um, unity in this body. I pray for that they would be a oneness, a kindred spirit. Lord, I pray for patience. That seems like it's hard for us as Americans to be patient. But I pray that they would, you'd give them patience to wait just for the right person. I think of what uh, so Solomon uh, Samuel did when he was looking for, uh, told to find another replacement for King Saul, and he went into Bethlehem and into Jesse's house. And he seen the first one that came, a tall, handsome guy, and thought of uh, he would be the one, and yet he wasn't. And you, you don't look at the outside. You look at the heart. So we want the man that you have for us here to have a heart for you and a heart for the lost, a heart for us as your people. And, uh, and, and so we lift that up to you. 
Lord, we pray for uh, um, our, our body right now, too. I think of uh, the patience that we need and uh, with that we would just wait on you for uh, the right man. Lord, I, uh, I just uh, pray that we would lift them up every day. Give, remind us as your people here at South Canyon to lift them up every day and for your will to be done. Lord, I, I, I also know that at these times when there's a change like this, and, and, and I know that how the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, uh, how he uh, has his fiercest, fiercest attacks against the church. And so, Lord, we need your protection. We want your protection, and we know you will protect us. And so we ask a hedge around us, and we ask that we would trust you for everything. I think of the word, uh, the verse that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And so, Lord, I, I know another way he attacks us is uh, he, he causes us to doubt, just as he did uh, Eve in the Garden of Eden. Hath God really said that? And so, Lord, we don't want to doubt your word. We want to trust you for that. And then, Lord, I think of uh, uh, the unity uh, another way he destroys is to divide. We divide and conquer. That's his goal. And so, Lord, I just, uh, I just pray you protect us from the evil one that way and protect us also from ourselves. We can sometimes be our worst enemy. So, Lord, I just uh, thank you for this team here. I thank you for this body and what you've done and what you're doing and what you're going to do. And help us just to wait on you and trust you in all that we think and all that we say and all that we do. And I, we know that your will will be done. Uh, we think of what you say in Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan to prosper you and not harm you. Plans for a future and a hope. And we know that's what you will do. So help us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the work of the Lord is never in vain. And so we thank you for this time and this team, and we ask your blessing on it. Now as we, wanna, as we go to worship you, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's let's stand together and let's worship worship our king our gracious king Hands and raise your voice. 
sickness, all our sorrows, Jesus carried up the hill. He has walked this path before us, he is walking with us still. Turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise, there is blessing in the battle, so take heart and stand amazed. Let the whole 
holy church as your holy church goes forth in the holy spirit's power with the glories of the gospel to explain now we pray your kingdom come and we pray your will be done for the This good news, this gospel, this, this joy to take to the nations, to say to all peoples that they should be glad is because Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who, who was slain, who died for us to conquer death, to provide forgiveness for our sins, and he sits enthroned now. He is the Lamb upon the throne. And so what we want to do this morning is to join with the heavenly chorus, join with the saints and the angels, and to, to lift him up, to crown him king, and to worship him. And that's what we get to do as we gather here this morning. So let's continue to worship. Uh, at this time also, the children can be released to their children's church. Thy matchless King through all the 
Amen. Amen. Praise God who reigns forevermore. You can be seated. And as you're seated, I would invite you to join me in prayer. God, you reign forevermore, and we are comforted and encouraged and strengthened as we are reminded of that and as we celebrate and sing that this morning, that the one who we are trusting in, who came in Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, you reign forever and forever and forever. And God, I pray that in these next few minutes, as we hear your word, that Jesus Christ would be glorified. That people who don't yet know and understand and believe the gospel, that they might come in these next few minutes to know and to understand and to believe the good news about Jesus Christ. Father, on this significant Sunday, we pray, I pray, And we together pray for this congregation. We pray, God, that you would help this church to be the source of blessing to many people as we proclaim Christ, as we demonstrate as well as communicate the message of Jesus Christ to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our extended families. God, would you you cause us to be a blessing and may we be the recipients of your blessing because we give what we receive because we share what we have come to believe. So, Father, I pray again this morning that this church would continue to dwell in the stream of blessings that you are causing to flow out into all the nations as we seek to be a part of those who haven't heard hearing, those who haven't believed believing and calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved among all of the peoples of the earth. God, keep us focused. Keep this congregation focused on the Great Commission. And may you be glorified as we proclaim Christ and as we seek your glory. God, use these next minutes as we look at your word. Use these next few minutes to change your people and to bring people to yourself. God, thank you for all of your grace. Thank you for all of your blessings that come to us so often through one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that people here would continue in the months and years to come to find deep and real fellowship and communion with one another because of our passion and joy in Jesus Christ. Pray these in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me invite you. Please, to turn in your Bible to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. As we prepare to read this psalm, let me encourage you to think about an image. Think about during the Roman Empire, Whenever a Roman general would go out to war and would be victorious, quite often when he would return, he would, he would be given a procession, what we would call maybe a parade would be held in his honor, as well as the others who had fought with him and been valiant in battle. And so during that season, 
it was quite often during that period of time, it was often the case that Roman generals would be successful. They would triumph. They would conquer. And they would come back. And there would be a procession. And people would line the streets. And people would throw gifts toward the general as a way of acknowledging him and acclaiming him for his success and for his victory. Another thing that would often happen also was that the general who had won had taken spoil, and so he would take trinkets and robes that were beautiful, and he would throw those gifts to the crowd also. And oftentimes, there would also be a group of people behind the Roman general who were captives, either those of the enemy that had been captured and were being brought back to the city to no longer be where they were, but to be slaves to the people there who had been successful in battle, or it could have been that during the battle, some of the soldiers of this general had been captured, but when they had won the battle, the, the captives had been set free, and so these were people coming back to their home who at one point had been held captive. I say I want you to keep that in mind because though this psalm comes way before the Roman Empire, similar things happened after battles even in the times of David and in the Old Testament. And that's the setting behind and the circumstance behind what we see in Psalm 68. So follow along and let's read through this psalm. The heading says, To the choir master, a psalm of David, a song. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exult before him. Father of the fatherless, the protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. And in abundance, O oh God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O oh God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The kings of the armies, they flee. They flee. Most likely that's the, the message that the women were announcing. The king of the armies, they flee. Or the kings of the armies, they flee. They flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie among sheepfolds, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalman. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan. O many peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan. 
Why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desires for his abode? Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. But God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in his guilty ways. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that you may strike your feet in their blood, that the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from the foe. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the musicians last, between them virgins playing tambourines. Bless God in the great congregation. The Lord, O you who are Israel's fountain. There is Benjamin, the least of them in the lead, the princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulun, the princes of Naphtali. Summon your power, O God, the power, O God, by which you have worked for us. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bear gifts to you. Rebuke the beasts that dwell among the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples. Trample underfoot those who lust after tribute. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Nobles shall come from Egypt Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God. Sing praises to the Lord. To him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens, behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. In David's days, there were triumphal processions whenever a king would be victorious, as, that, as would happen later in the Roman Empire with even more splendor and more glory. And so today as we think about this psalm, I want us to call the message today based on this passage the triumphant procession of God. The triumphant procession of God because that's the the theme of this very long and sometimes obscure psalm. That God has been victorious and he is to be praised. And the author, as we see from the, head of the, from the heading of the psalm, was David. But what I want you to notice as we begin is that David, as he's thinking about his situation at the time of this psalm, or the occasion that was the basis for this psalm, as he thinks about what's happening with him as king over Israel, he thinks back to the past and he sees some parallels. So, let's begin 
this psalm. And let's talk about two things. First of all, in verses 1 through 6, we're going to talk about the God of triumph. And then in verses 7 through 35, the majority of the psalm, we're going to talk about the triumph of God. Particularly the triumph of God for his people. But first, in the first six verses, a kind of introduction to the psalm, we are introduced to this God, the God of triumph. And what I want you to know, if you haven't already realized it, is that this psalm begins with David, who wrote this psalm, quoting Moses. David's quoting Moses in verse 1. Verse 1, God shall arise, or it could be translated, may God arise. His enemies shall be scattered, or it could be translated, may his enemies be scattered, and those who hate him should flee before him. That comes directly from Moses. In Numbers chapter 10, verse 35, we see Moses saying this, Rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered. Let those who hate you flee before you. And we're told in the context of Numbers chapter 10 that this happened after Moses. It began to happen after Moses went up to Mount Sinai, received the law, and then came down from Mount Sinai. And beginning at Sinai... Whenever the people would move, as they made their way toward the promised land, whenever the people would rise up and begin to move, the ark would also go with them, go before them. And of course, the ark in that time was the physical demonstration of God's or representation of God's presence among them. And so whenever the ark would move, Beginning at Mount Sinai and going toward the promised land, Moses would say this, rise up, O God. Rise up, O God, and let your enemies be scattered, and may those who hate you flee. And he would do that every time the people would move and the ark would move, representing God's presence among them. And then, after quoting Moses, he begins to think, it seems to me, about how God had given his people under Moses triumph. And we're, come, we're going to come to that more specifically in just a few moments. But notice in verse 3, we're told what happens to the enemies of God, those who rise up against God, those who are his enemies. Verse 3 says they flee. And it says that the wicked will perish. And then he compares those that God defeats to disappearing smoke. And melting wax in verse 3. Disappearing smoke. There's smoke and then there's a breeze and it's, it's dissipated. It disappears. That's a picture of God overcoming his enemies, his foes. And then wax. And there's fire near the wax and the wax melts. Again, another image here of God overcoming his enemies. And being triumphant. He is the God of triumph. But what I want you to see as we come to the end of this opening section is this. This psalm, though the theme is God's might and God's triumph, David wants us to not forget that God is also a God of mercy and a God of tenderness. And so he says as we come to the end of these six verses that they should sing that they should exult in his might and triumph, but also 
exult in his mercy and his tenderness. Some of the most precious verses in the Bible are found right here in verses 5 and 6, describing God. Yes, he is mighty and he is triumphant, but he is also merciful and he is also tender. Verse 5, this is who God is, folks. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. That is, individuals who are alone. God cares about those who are, who are lonely, and he settles them in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. Notice those that God is tender toward and merciful toward, the fatherless, the widows, the solitary, those who are alone. And prisoners. We have to keep that in mind as we read a psalm like this. Yes, God is mighty and he is triumphant, but he is also merciful and he is tender. In our world, think about it, the strong devour the weak. The strong devour the weak, but not so with our God. With our God, the strongest comforts the weak. He cares for those who are vulnerable. That's who this God is. Now, throughout this psalm, there are primarily two groups that are referred to. And I think we could call them the righteous, based on verse 3, and the rebellious, based on verse 6, in this opening section of the psalm. Those who are the rebellious are also called God's enemies, the wicked, and other things throughout this psalm. But there are basically two groups of people. And their status in one of those two groups has to do with how they respond to this God, the God of triumph. Then beginning in verse 7 and going through verse 35, we see the triumphs of God. Particularly the triumph of God for his people. And in verses 7 through 14, we see God's triumph for his people under Moses. I already said that the psalm begins with him quoting Moses as he thinks about this God of triumph and the triumph of God. And so he continues, it seems, in verse 7 to recount how God triumphed for his people in the wilderness, under Moses, during that time, they had left Egypt, but they weren't yet in the promised land. And God was working. I think that's clear, especially when you notice in verse 7, the word, or the, the words, the wilderness, and also the word Sinai, pointing us back to that time in history. David's thinking back on that time in history. In verses 7 through 10... The mighty presence of God for Israel or with Israel in the wilderness is described. And then in verses 11 through 14, there is the proclamation of God's victory over the kings. That is, God giving his people victory over their enemies. And as we come to the latter part of this psalm, we're going to see more and more reference made to Bashan. If you go back and study the first books of the Bible, you'll see that when the children of Israel were in the wilderness headed toward the promised land, they came up against a king whose name was Og. 
and he was the king of Bashan. And so that seems to be in David's mind as he's thinking back on God's triumph for his triumphs for his people under Moses. We're told in the Old Testament that Og was the last of the Rephaim, which means basically giants. And so this was an extra large, extra, extra large kind of guy. We're actually told in the Old Testament the dimensions of his bed to help us understand how big he was, and he was big. And so that's the point, and that's why I think this particular story is alluded to, because here you see Moses and hungry and thirsty and grumbling and complaining children of Israel in the wilderness coming up against this king and his mighty army and overcoming him. And that's what's being celebrated here by David. But then beginning in verse 15 and going through the rest of this psalm, David begins to talk about what he is experiencing or has experienced himself, that he has seen connections to Moses with. What David is writing about here, it seems most likely, is the Ark of the Covenant being taken by the people up onto Mount Zion and placed in the sanctuary or in the temple. And so with that happening and David thinking about how God has given him as king in the land victory over their enemies, and now God, represented by the ark, is able to be placed into the tabernacle, the sanctuary, his permanent dwelling place, they're celebrating this. And David is exulting in what God has done. Then look at verses 15 through 18 as we start to think about David and what's happening at this point. Verse 15, O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan. Again, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode? Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. So imagine the ark being taken uphill, ascending, representing God's presence to be taken into the sanctuary. And the writer of this psalm does something interesting. He helps us see that Mount Zion, the place where God chose to make his dwelling place, represented by the ark, that it was actually not that impressive of a mountain in terms of its height and its beauty. There were other mountains, the mountain of Bashan, that was not far from Jerusalem and Mount Zion. And he says, using, of course, metaphor here, that these large, many-peaked mountains of Bashan were envious of smaller Mount Zion because God, for whatever reason, had chosen the smaller. And again, this points us to who God is and what God has done throughout the ages. God doesn't normally, as we tend to, choose that which is highest, that which is strongest, that which is most majestic in our eyes. Instead, God chooses the weak things of this world, and choosing Mount Zion is a kind of picture of that. Choosing this relatively small, in comparison to many other mountains, hill or mountain, where he would make his abode. The Lord, the end of verse 17, which can be a little confusing, let me point you to that. It says in the ESV, the Lord is among them, Sinai is now in the sanctuary. 
It probably could be better translated, the Lord has come from Mount Sinai into his sanctuary. Again, referring to the ark, the representation of God's presence. And so under David, the ark has come into its sanctuary on Mount Zion. Then in verses 19 through 23, David talks about God's rescue in battle and God's victory over the enemies that he has given David as the king. And then in verses 24 through 27, and I want us to read these, we actually read about this procession taking place that David's talking about that really is the background of this psalm. Verse 24, your procession is seen, O God. The procession of my God, my king, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the the musicians last, between them virgins playing tambourines. So there's a celebration taking place as the ark is being taken up to mount, into Mount Zion to dwell in the tabernacle or in the sanctuary. Verse 26, bless God in the great congregation, the Lord, O you who are Israel's fountain. There is Benjamin, the least of them in the lead. Again, pointing to the same thing. Benjamin was the smallest of the 12 tribes, but they were at the beginning of this procession. Again, because God chooses the small and not always the strong. God tends to show his glory in that way. And then he says, the princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulun, the princes of Naphtali, these different tribes of Israel are all a part of this processional as the ark is being taken into the temple on Mount Zion. So God is proceeding. And then in verses 28 through 31, and I'm moving quickly because this is such a long psalm, but I want you to see how this ties together in just a minute. David here in these verses expresses confidence and possibly intercession for future victories. In light of what you've done, God, we ask and we trust that you will continue to give your people success, that you'll give us victories. And then he talks about in these verses that the defeated enemies will come and stretch out their hands to God. The idea being that they may come through being defeated Though they shouldn't on paper be defeated by these people, they are defeated because they have the one and only true God as their God. And other people from other kingdoms and other nations would come. That's what this psalm is about. Come to worship and lift their hands to God. And then verses 32 through 35 call the kingdoms of the earth to do that. Look at these verses very quickly. O kingdoms of the earth, sing. To God, sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe to the Lord, or ascribe power rather to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary. The God of Israel, he is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. So under Moses, as David looks back, something similar had happened to what was happening under David as the ark is being taken into the tabernacle because they've been victorious over their enemies. God has triumphed for them. God has worked. But what I want you to see as we conclude is this. I want you to see verse 18. If you count the verses in this psalm, you'll see that there are 17 verses before verse 18, obviously. 
and that there are 17 verses after verse 18. And I mentioned this last week in Psalm 67 because this is something that often was done in Hebrew to call attention to what is at the middle of the psalm. So 17 verses before, 17 verses after. This is the middle of the psalm. It is the center of the psalm, and it's something that's very significant. It's at the center of this psalm because it is, because what it says, rather, is central to this psalm, and it is fulfilled in Christ. And let me show you why I say that. This verse, verse 18, you ascended on high referring to God in its original context, represented in the ark, you ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train. Remember the triumphal procession is the background here, the imagery here. Even among the rebellious that the Lord God may dwell there. This verse is quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. The verse at the center of this psalm that we're supposed to see as the central thing about this psalm is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. So see how these three things connect. God triumphed for his people under Moses. God triumphed for his people under David. But ultimately this whole psalm is fulfilled in Christ. Under Moses, under David, but in Christ. Because in Christ, God himself was dwelling among us in bodily form. The Ark of the Covenant was a physical representation of the presence of God among his people. But Jesus was the physical incarnation of God and his presence among us here on earth. And ultimately, these things point to him Ephesians 4.8 uses this verse, verse 18 in the psalm, specifically to refer to Jesus' ascension back into heaven. He had lived, he had died, he had been raised from the dead, he had been with his disciples for many weeks, and then he ascends up to heaven. He literally ascends up to heaven. Do you see the connection? Under David, the ark is ascending, that represents God, The ark is ascending up the hill to the tabernacle to be placed in the tabernacle. And Jesus is ascending into heaven. That's the parallel here. And what the writer of Ephesians says is that this was the ultimate demonstration of God's triumph. The ultimate demonstration of God's triumph was not under Moses, as amazing as that was, The ultimate demonstration of God's triumph was not under David, as amazing as that was, but the ultimate triumph of God was in and through Jesus Christ. He triumphed over sin in his life. He triumphed over death in his life. And he triumphed over death through his resurrection and ultimately his ascension to the right hand of God. Now, let me show you a couple things in this psalm that I think, beyond just the center verse, that in light of the fact that the center verse is quoted in the New Testament, that point to Jesus. 
Look at verse 1 again. Let's translate it this way. Let God arise, or God shall arise. When did that literally happen? When Jesus rose from the dead and then when he ascended into heaven, right? That's when this literally happened. God himself embodied in Jesus Christ, arose from the dead, and then ascended, arose up into heaven. So we see in verse 1, God pointing, this chapter pointing again to Jesus Christ. And then look at the end of verse 11. That's not it. I wrote down the wrong reference. Somebody help me find the place where it talks about the end of death or the defeat of death. I jotted that down incorrectly. Anybody see it? 20, thank you very much. All right, the end of 20. Yes, that's exactly right. Our God is a God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. Again, another pointer to the resurrection of Jesus. This morning as we come to the Lord's table, of course, what we are remembering is what Jesus has done, particularly through his death, but ultimately to triumph over the forces of evil. And if you go back to the book of Ephesians, surrounding the quote from this psalm about Jesus ascending on high, taking captives captive, it talks about spiritual warfare. You see, our enemies now are not flesh and blood. They're not armies. They're not kingdoms and kings. Our enemies, as God's people, are those who reject Christ but ultimately those who are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, and that victory has been won by Jesus Christ, and we share in that because of what Jesus has done, and particularly because of what he has done in his death. The Bible says Jesus lived without sin. He conquered sin. He died for our sin, And in so doing, he conquers sin by taking the curse of sin upon himself so that we can receive his blessing. And ultimately, his triumph was demonstrated through his ascension to the right hand of God. So as God's people this morning, let's remember. Let's remember what God has done in Christ, particularly through his death so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have victory over the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms, so that we could be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, so that the kingdoms of the earth would come to know him and sing to him. Let's bow. Let's bow and let's pray. God, we praise you this morning as the one who is mighty and triumphant, but also merciful and tender. And because that is true, you have come in Christ to take our sin, to endure so much sorrow and so much grief so that we might be saved, so that we might be saved from death through Jesus' 
being delivered from death and being raised from the dead to demonstrate that his death was in fact successful and that he had accomplished what needed to be accomplished for us to be forgiven. God, would you use these next few minutes as we take these emblems, first the bread and then the cup, the bread reminding us of your body that was broken on the cross through the piercing of the spear and the driving of the nails and the the thorns upon his brow. Your body was broken. Your flesh was broken so that we could be saved. And your blood was poured out as an atoning sacrifice for our sins to cover our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could triumph over these things also because of your power and have eternal life with you. So God, I pray for brothers and sisters in Christ who are here today as we receive these emblems and as we remember, help us to worship you and give you thanks that you are the God who has triumphed in Christ for us. And for those who are here and who have not trusted in Christ, I pray that as they see others taking these symbols of Jesus' death, that they would do by faith what the others may be doing physically, that they would by faith receive Jesus' death as their only sacrifice and their only hope of salvation and calling upon the name of the Lord and trusting in you for their salvation. Lord, lead us in this time in Jesus' name.
Gospels tell us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he was with his disciples before that in the upper room, and he broke bread, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me.
In the upper room, Jesus also took the cup, we're told. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink, all of you from it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. We long for his coming. We long for this one who has triumphed to come and to bring all things under his feet. Let's stand and let's worship.
tonight we're going to do something just a little bit special i'm going to call pastor brent up here and melody and uh, what i would like to do now is call all the elders and all their wives and i see pastor josh and Bria here would you guys come up too uh, if you could and uh, let's lay our hands us elders and wives on brent and melody and uh, send them off to clear water I'm going to ask Lori Meningas to pray, and then I'll, uh, I'll pray after that. Lord, um, we are all here this morning, and um, just, we are so thankful. We are just so thankful for the ministry um, that Pastor Brent and Melody and the whole Reeves family have had for these last 12 years, all our lives have been changed, mine included. You have changed so many hearts here through them. And while we are so sad this morning to see them go, we have nothing but gratitude, Lord, for your grace and mercy you have just shown upon us here, Lord. Lord, I lift up specifically Melody to you in these next coming days and weeks, Lord, um, as they move, Lord, and um, get settled into a new home and, and start a new chapter here at Calvary Church, Lord. And I just already just pray for the women of that church so that they would welcome Melody with open arms, Lord, 
and that these women would um, get to experience just the wonderful person that Melody is and how she encourages and loves and serves others, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would be with Melody as she supports Brent in um, this new ministry at Calvary Church, Lord, and that you would strengthen her in this, and she would be able to encourage and, and help him in this ministry, Lord. And, oh, Lord, I just um, I lift up Calvary Church, Lord, that you would just be preparing their hearts for Pastor Brent and Melody, Lord, and that they would be just as blessed as we have been blessed to have, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for uh, calling and sending Pastor Brent and Melody to us. Lord, for through the 12 years uh, of them serving you and us through, because of you, we're a different church. You have changed us, as Lori said. Lord, uh, thank you for their commitment, Brent's and Melody's, to Scripture and what that has done for us. Uh, every time we talk with them, counsel with them, and visit with them, the Scripture just, come, just comes out of them, and that's the truth of your word. And we have been blessed and grown from it. Thank you for Pastor Brent's expositional preaching. That uh, even the, your shows your love and your blessing on us, but also because of expositional, it's the hard things too, Lord. Uh, being a Christian is is not just a smooth road ahead. There will be challenges, but Lord, you are victorious, and we thank you for the expositional preaching. We thank you for Bent Melody's love for the lost, Lord, and how that has uh, changed us and uh, opened our eyes to the lost that are around us, and especially for the love and desire for the unreached people groups and the desire to see this world changed uh, by your gospel and, and praying for people and actually people that have come from our church body to go to foreign places around the world, to the ends of the earth, to share the good news of Jesus. We thank you that uh, for the the love of each other that this um, of this body that Brent and Melody have for us, and that has caused us to love each other more and more. And it caused us on the elder board for more shepherding to know how to shepherd better and to love each one in this congregation and protect and and uh, and uphold each one. Lord, I I thank you that ultimately. We are, and we have turned into a church that desires to make more and better gospels, but better disciples together. Now, as Brent and Melody go to Calvary Church at Clearwater, Lord, we pray that uh, for their ministry there. We pray that it would be a blessing, that it would grow, and that many lives would be changed, many hearts changed, and turn to you for salvation. Lord, we pray for Brent wisdom in his new job. You just give him everything that he needs to do and serve you well at Clearwater at the Calvary Church. Lord, uh, just uh, be with him and walk every step of the way with him as he determines how to lead the people there. Lord, we pray for the building of new relationships with the staff and the, and the church members, Lord, that they would grow and they would uh, lo love each other as, as we love him and each other here. Lord, and that also equates to trust, trusting each other. Lord, we pray for fruit in the, the, as he encourages young people to go on the mission field and not 
lose their life to this world, but to see a need for uh, missions uh, all across the world. Lord, we pray for perseverance and wisdom as Brent uh, leads and assists and starts church planting. Lord, uh, it's a tough job to plant a church, and uh, we just pray that you would just be with him, help these churches flourish and grow in you and in the cause people to come to know you as Lord and Savior. Specifically, Lord, we pray for their move. We pray that their household goods will get there uh, complete and on time, that the house that's there ready will be ready for them and they can just move right in and start serving you immediately. We pray for their travel to Florida, that you would protect them and be with them. And, uh, Lord, just send your angels to, to be with them in the car as they drive to Florida. And now, Lord, it is with joy that we join with you to send Pastor Benton Melody to to Clearwater, Florida. God, may you bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them and be gracious unto them and that they will always be in your will. Lord, now as we go into the Family Life Center, we ask you to bless this food to our bodies, bless the hands that prepared it, And from the nourishment, may we gain strength in our bodies to worship you greater and to serve you more. Amen. Pastor Brent Melody, you are sent. And church body, you are sent also uh, um, and dismissed.